Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. I don't need to say that, but uh, I am going to probably go to about 12.05 or so today because I really need to drive this home. Now, the series I'm about to start is called Free Indeed. Everybody say Free Indeed. And it is a series that is probably going to take us about a month and a half, and it's going to talk on different topics of deliverance, inner healing, freedom, uh, from addictions, from every kind of thing. And we are going to see how the Lord is going to use this to make us free indeed. Now, I want everyone to, the Lord told me this morning to beware of distractions, so let, let's not be distracted. Let's really focus in because how many know that deep down inside, everyone at one point in our life leads some sort of inner healing or freedom in our lives? Here's the problem with the church. The, the, church, the reason why the, people get, the church gets scared of deliverance is because we have an idea of people foaming at the mouth and growling uh, at you. Now, those things happen in the spirit realm, but don't think that that's the only reason why, the, of deliverance. We all need deliverance and freedom in some sort of area of our life, but we need to stop being prideful and admitting that, that there's not a possibility that Christians could be bound. So let's pray, and we're going to go on a journey uh, today. Today is one of those messages that is going to hurt good. <laughs> what I mean by hurt good is it's like when you go to the dentist and you get your teeth pulled or you have a root canal, you're going to have hurt afterwards, but it's the good kind of hurt because it's the healing hurt, right? So the message that I'm going to bring today, in order to address root causes of bondage and addictions and, and hurt and pain, we're going to talk more of that next week, emotional uh, uh, pain, we need to address some tough issues that the church doesn't talk about at large. Amen? I said amen? All right. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, that your anointing will come, that you would bless every uh, hearer, that you would release your power in this place, and that you would get all the glory for setting your people free. In Jesus' name. And everyone said... I sense anticipation in this room. I feel that you guys are hungry, and I want, to, I want to release this to you. But I want to say this before I read. It's John chapter 8, verse 31. Let's all go there. John chapter 8, verse 31. It is your responsibility to dictate the level of freedom you have, not God's. It is your responsibility to decide what level of freedom you want to walk in. It's not God's uh, It's not God's ability, so to speak, for him to determine what level of freedom you have because his level has already been purchased at the cross. He purchased full freedom at the cross. It's up to us what level of freedom we walk in. Now, I'm going to say something to foreshadow what I'm going to say. I'm saying it early, but I'm going to foreshadow it later in the, in the message. We also determine our level of bondage. So we determine our level of freedom, but we also determine our level of bondage. Now, I want you to turn to a very popular scripture, John chapter 8, and we're going to break some things down. So just be with me, and it's going to be a good ride, and the devil has already lost. Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed. I read this many years ago, and I never, that, that stood out to me this week. The Jews who believed in him. So he's addressing bondage issues with people that believe, believers. In a sense, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You can shout out at me if you want. They answered him, listen to this, 
We are Abraham's descendants. I want you to read this closely because I'm going to go back to it. And we have never been in bondage to anyone. Hmm. How can you say you will be, make us free? Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he, no, well, this is key. I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Everybody say free indeed. Say free indeed. One of the highest goals of the enemy is to bring us into captivity to stop us from the reality of walking in the fullness of God. It is of vital importance that you and I understand and receive and accept the words coming out of Jesus' mouth and the words in Scripture because his desire is to get, set captives free from every area. Say every area. Not some areas. It's not, not just 95% of the areas. Every area that is hindering your walk in any way. He desires you to be completely free in your mind, in your emotions, in your physical body from sickness, in your, in, from, from all kinds of darkness, because this is the reality of God. Most believers don't believe that they could be free indeed. You know why? Because they don't believe that they could indeed be in bondage. Most believers are not free indeed because they don't believe that indeed they could be in bondage. So what is bondage? A bondage, according to the dictionary and according to the Greek here, you know what bondage is? If you're taking notes, take it because it's going to set you free. It is the reality of being a slave to someone or something. In other words, being a slave means you're owned by that particular entity, by that particular person, or that particular thing. So to be a slave means that you're owned or controlled by something or someone. Woo. A slave. Bondage enters you into enslavement. So in other words, when you're in bondage to drugs, to sexual immorality, when you're in bondage to depression, to anger. See, I'm going to address things that we think bondage is only demons scaring at you. You could be bound to overeating. You could be bound to, to, to gluttony. And it's a bondage and it's an addiction. Jesus actually says in John chapter 8, if you are addicted or bound by these things, then you are owned by these things. If you're bound by anger, you're owned by anger. If you're bound to lust, you're owned by lust. It owns you. If you're bound to TV and you're bound to media, that owns you. And you can never fulfill the purposes of God if you're bound in any area of your life. You will always come up short from the fullness of the potential in your life if you and I are bound in every area. And I want to address something right now. The devil does not like this message. So if you're squirming and saying, uh, if you're already squirming, just, just know that the enemy is not happy. And so this means in John chapter 8, I want you to look at this. John chapter 8 starts by saying, uh, in, in verse 31, he says, he spoke this to Jews who believed in him. So what does that mean? That means that Christians can be in bondage. 
That's not the will of God for Christians to be in bondage. But unfortunately, because of lack of understanding and lack of knowledge and because doors that we open and let wide open for years, the enemy has footholds and it brings Christians into bondage. It's like this. I said this before and I'll say it again. Like John, John uh, in the other chapters, he saw, the Bible says that, that this is a picture of the church today. Because the, notice that Jesus did not say who the Son delivers is delivered indeed. He said whom the Son set free is free indeed. Because deliverance is necessary, but it's the pathway to the end result of freedom. Because you have to understand something that this is the most powerful thing that I could ever tell you when it comes to this introduction. Is that deliverance is the temporary removal. Some of you guys have heard this before, but I want you to just hang tight because you're going to get some more. This is a review for some of you. It's the de deliverance is the temporary removal of bondage and oppression. Freedom is the permanent removal of bondage and oppression. See, here's what happens with the church. We settle for deliverance, and that's good because it's a temporary fix from oppression. It's a temporary unlocking of oppression. But people stay in deliverance, and they don't walk into freedom. Listen, he did not say who the Son delivers is delivered indeed. He said who the Son sets free is free indeed. So when John, Jesus came to Lazarus who was dead, he was dead. Everybody say he was dead. You have to understand something. When Jesus and Lazarus come forth, it's a picture of the church today. Because he said, Lazarus, come forth. And we think that Lazarus just came up and said, hey, what's going on, Jesus? It was hot up in there. Thank you. I was, I was there for four days. No. If you know anything about uh, that, the process of putting dead people, uh, uh, they would wrap them in cloth so they, they would not rot right away. So they would wrap them in and bind them and bound. They were bound in cloth. So when Jesus came up, he said, Lazarus come forth, but if you read the scriptures, he says, loose them and let them go. So what, what's, what, what happened there? Here's what happened. Jesus said, Lazarus come forth, and he did this. He did. He was in, in, wrapped in bondage. So he went up like this, and Jesus looked at him. He says, okay, you came alive from death. That's salvation. That's deliverance. Now there's another step for freedom. Loose him and let him go. A lot of people only settle for deliverance, and they're still bound. Because they don't realize that deliverance, here's it is, deliverance is like the key that unlocks the door to the prison that you've been in. But freedom is the ability to walk out of the prison door, turn around, lock it, and never go back in there again. Come on. Deliverance is the key, you need deliverance, to unlock the door of the prison. And once it's open, freedom is the ability to decide to get out. Turn around, lock it back up again, and throw away the keys. That's freedom. Come on. I don't know about all you. I don't want just deliverance. I want freedom. Because if you get deliverance for a little bit and then go back, it's sometimes going to be worse. You have to understand that this is a key to walking in freedom. Because God actually called us to walk in freedom. Do you know that Galatians chapter 1 Sorry, ch chapter 5, verse 1 in the NIV. In the NIV, you know what it says? It may be up there on the screen. It said, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Wait a minute. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. So the reason that Christ set you free from sin is so you can walk in freedom. He said, it is for freedom. 
It is not God's will. Hear me now. Some of you might get mad at me. It is not God's will for you to walk 95% free. It's not God's will for you to walk 99% free. I'm not condemning you, and I'm not, I'm not shooting something bad at you. What I'm saying is you're not, it's not God's will for you to be halfway free. You may be delivered, but you still may be broken. Have you ever had, received a package in the mail? It got delivered, but sometimes it's fragile, and by the time you open it, it's broken. That doesn't mean it's a whole package. It means it got to you, but it got broken. Oh, man. See, a lot of times when you and I get to a place in our lives and we don't deal with our brokenness and we don't deal with our emotional pain and we don't deal with our offense and we don't deal with our, with our, our, um, our rejection, we can love God with all of our heart, be in Scripture every day and not realize that there's areas that we're still bound in. I'm going I'm to prove to you this morning that it's possible to be delivered and not free, biblically. It's not just a good phrase that Pastor George uh, thought up so you could say amen to me. Do you know that the children of Israel were bound by the Egyptians for over 400 years, according to Scripture? For over 400 years, they were enslaved by the Egyptians, okay? So guess what happens when you're enslaved for, from some, for something for that long? You begin to get used to bondage, and you get to get used. Do you know that you can get used to bondage? Some of you are bound, and you don't even know it because you're used to it. They got used to the culture of the Egyptians. They got used to, and they went away from the culture of the Jewish people, and they inherited their practices in their mind and in their heart. Let me tell you something. I told this to people all the time. I'd rather be, I'd rather be locked up in jail and be free in my mind and in my heart than be roaming around free and be locked up in my mind and in my heart. There's many people that are walking around that are not in behind bars physically, but they're behind bars spiritually. And if, you th- and if, if my message is coming across heart, is because I am angry that the enemy has stolen your freedom for so long. And I'm angry that the body of Christ most, mostly don't walk in total freedom. Doesn't mean that we're not weak. But I will say this. There's an area that we don't call weakness anymore. We not to call them bondage so it can end the cycle, of destructive cycle that we're going through. I think a lot of times to hide our bondage, we call it weakness. And God says, you've been struggling with that weakness for 15 years. It's time to call it what it is, bondage. You have to understand that the children of Israel were, listen, delivered from a mighty hand from slavery. They came out, hear me church, they came out, who, in, the, in my opinion, that's the greatest miracle that ever happened other than uh, the, the, the salvation. But one of the greatest miracles, could you imagine a sea splitting in half and have dry ground and holding it just for the people of God to walk through? And watch this, I mean, I would have been like, okay, whatever happens next, I'm in. Whatever, I'm, whatever you say, God, I just saw that. Wow, okay, I'm walking on dry ground. Think about this, guys. They walk, they walk to dry ground, all about million something, probably three million something Jews walked on dry ground, and then the, the Lord drowned the enemies of the, uh, of the people of God in the Red Sea. Now watch this here. I'm going to prove to you that you could be delivered and not free because they just got delivered from Egypt. A couple of months later, Moses went up to the mountain and prayed to seek God, and he's seeking direction from the Lord. And the Jewish people at that time said, no, we have an idea. This Moses guy, he's taking a long time. Let's build gold from our own gold. Let's, let's get stuff from our chains, our gold chains, and, and, and let's build a calf together. Because see, right there, they're operating as the Egyptians. The culture had invaded their obedience. 
Do you have to understand that? So they made a calf of gold, and they made it, and then they said, this is our God, and we worship it, and this is the God that delivered us from the Red Sea. Are you kidding me? They saw with their own eyes the Red Sea opening, and now they're making a calf, and they're saying, that's the one who had the power to do it. Hear me, church. They were delivered, but they weren't free. They were delivered, but you see that they went back into their old ways. Why? Because just because you're delivered doesn't mean you're delivered free indeed. That's why the word says, who in the sun sets free is free indeed. That word indeed means without any question. The word indeed means without doubt. He says, you are free indeed. Now, if you look back, I'm going to tell you something very powerful. If you look back in that verse in John chapter 8, let's break down that verse. Are you ready? Let's break down that verse in John chapter 8, and we're going to go back to verse 33. If Zach, you can put it up there on the screen. We're going to break the scripture down because I'm going to tell you through this scripture the ways that you and I are ensnared in bondage. So some of you say, well, you know, how do I know if I'm in bondage? I'm going to make it very simple today. Again, I don't apologize for the force that I'm using in this message because you don't need to deal with bondage lightly. You need to get to the point where you're sick and tired of being sick and tired and you do something about it. Jesus, in John chapter 8, verse 33, in my opinion, this verse, when he was talking to the Jews that believe about their need for freedom, in my opinion, the Jews that believe gave one of the most ignorant and prideful responses that I've ever seen in the entire Bible. I've never, I'm just, don't get mad at me, but I'm, say, I'm, I'm saying I think that that was one of the most prideful, ignorant statements I've ever read. Why? Because in verse 33, Jesus is saying you need to be free. And then the Jews that believe said this, we have been Abraham's descendants and we have never been in bondage to anyone. Hmm. That's good and noble and that's very heroic, but Here's a question. Have you ever read the Bible, especially the Old Testament? They're in bondage to everyone. No, I'm not joking. They're in bondage to the Egyptians. They're in bondage to the Chaldeans. They're in bondage to the Babylonians. They're in bondage to the Assyrians. They're in bondage at one time to the Grecians. And what's even more ignorant than anything else, while that statement is coming out of those Jews' lips, while they were saying they're not bound to, we've never been bound to anybody, they were currently bound by the Romans. <laughs> while he said, we've never been in bondage to anybody, but you're in bondage right now and you don't even know it. That's a prophetic picture of the church. We don't need deliverance, pastor. We're, we're blood washed. We don't, need, we don't need freedom. Jesus already did it at the cross. Yes, he did do it at the cross. But you are not walking fully in the appropriation of his freedom. Why? Because you're still struggling with anger. You're still struggling with, with, with repetitive uh, 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 sexual immorality. Now, I'm not saying that we are perfect. We are not perfect. But there is a, a deliverance or a cutoff of certain things that we will progress better in our behavior because if we're free, we, we will. But if we're bound, we won't. I said if we're bound, we won't. Now look, now here's the, the, where I want you to buckle your seatbelts here because this is where Jesus now identifies how we come into bondage. Now, I'm going to say it because the scripture says it, but unfortunately most churches stop talking about this because it's not culturally relevant and they'll lose people in their churches. Listen, if you want church growth, don't invite John the Baptist to your church. 
we're going to have a church road seminar. Which, what do you think? Uh, well, he says the truth. Uh, no, I don't want him. Don't, don't, tell, don't get him. He'll turn people away. But he says the truth. No, no, no. Tell them, bring somebody that would just make them feel good, and then we'll have a big church. Are you ready for verse 34? Jesus said the cause of bondage is this. He, he commits sin, is a slave of sin. I just defined the word bondage being meaning slave. Now, again, if th- there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. If you're being convicted, that's good. That means your heart is still alive. Jesus said the greatest doorway to bondage is sin. One of the greatest doorway to bondage and captivity, according to Scripture, is sin. Now, when's the last time you, again, you guys know me, most of you guys know me. I'm not a one who beats people up. That's not me. But you have to call white, white, and black, black. You have to understand that there is no way around it. I wish there was a way around it to make it nice and sweet for you. But there's not. There is no way around it. Here's what it is. He who commits sin is in bondage to that sin. So bondage starts with opening doors of sin that's been unrepented or continually repented but not being freed from. You can repent for something, but if it's still there, you need deliverance. It's no longer a weakness. It is bondage, and we have got to attack it in the spirit realm so that we can be free. The word sin there is hamartia, if you're taking notes, which means to miss the mark, to be in error, to wander away from the path of anything that's upright or violate any command of God. Now, that's sin, to, to violate any command of God, right? Especially without repentance brings bondage. Are you getting something? Now, the word commit, I've never shared this with you. The word commit there has a strong meaning that will open our eyes to how we enter into bondage. How many want to be set free? How many want to be set free? The word commit there means to formulate a plan to sin or to dedicate or to prepare to sin. It has many definitions in the Greek. But the word commit means to formulate a plan. So what Jesus is actually saying is he who formulates a plan to continually sin will be enslaved to that sin. All sin that is how do I say this? Repetitive is thought out first. Don't act like you're like, 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 like something is taking over your leg or your mouth. All repetitive sin is thought out first, and our flesh convinces us that we need it. Just one more try. Just one more giving into that. One of my struggles is with anger, and I had to, I had to continually repent to the Lord for that. But some of us... You have to realize that you have to see what's going on in your life. And if there's any area of bondage, I want to tell you something. No one can control you to act like you act. Some people say, well, he's making me do that or she's making me do that. No one can ever control you. And, and, and so you have to understand, if you want Jesus, God wants to set you free. But he says, now those who formulate a plan to sin will be entered into bondage. Now, whatever we yield our, I want to, I want to talk to you about something. Whatever you and I choose to yield to and obey, we become slaves to what we yield to. I'm going to say that again. Whatever we choose to yield to in our lives, whether it uh, or obey, whether it's sin 
or righteousness. We become a slave to whatever we choose to yield to. So you could yield to a, a nasty conversation, and little by little, you'll yield to that. Or you could yield to an image, and little by little, you'll be enslaved to that. You could, be, you could yield to a certain ideology. You'll be a slave to that. But here's the good news. You could be a slave to sin, which will lead you to bondage, or you could be a slave to righteousness, which will lead to freedom. Watch this. If, 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 it's ta- if it takes sin to lead you into bondage, if you could be owned by sin and you could be owned by bondage, you could be owned by righteousness. <laughs> what? You could be owned by, you could be a slave to righteousness, which means you're owned by righteousness. What does being owned by righteousness mean? That means your inner thoughts before you do anything is righteousness first before sinning. It's righteous conscience. It's righteous talking, righteous dialogue, righteous behavior. Not in your own strength, but because the Holy Spirit is convicting you and is living inside of you. Do you hear me? I said, do you hear me? Look at Romans chapter 6. I don't know if you're getting anything because it's really quiet or you're just listening. Romans chapter 6 and the NLT verse 15. You know why it's quiet? Because the Lord wants you to listen to get free from the cycle of bondage. The cycle of bondage. I told you from the beginning this is going to be a little rough today. But the cycle of bondage begins with open doors to sin. You hear me now? Repetitive sin opens doors to bondage. And some, I'm getting ahead of myself. This is where gonna, you thought it was, it was <laughs> it's going to be a little deeper now. But some sin, if we continue in it, open doors to demonic activity. Now, Romans chapter 6, verse 15 through 18, and an LNT says this. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean that we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become a slave to whatever you what? Choose to what? You choose to obey. So whatever you choose to obey, it's not God's fault. I'm tired of God getting the blame for bondage. Well, you know, if God loved me, I wouldn't be in bondage. No, you, you and I are a, a byproduct of the decisions we make. And God, we blame God for many things that he's not even done. But, but the Paul the Apostle said, you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey. Whatever you choose to. See, every morning we wake up with a spiritual, bank, a spiritual buffet before our eyes. What are you going to take? It's your choice. Are you going to take of this worldly th- stuff? Are you going to take of righteousness? Are you going to take of this compromise? But you are the one who chooses the plate. And whatever you choose will bring you into slavery or into freedom. Look at this. Watch this. It says, you can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. Or you can choose to be a slave or obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves to sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey his teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin. Are you ready for this? I want you to shout with me. And you have become slaves to righteous living. That means righteous living controls your heart. That means that the conviction of righteous living is saying, no, I want to do this, but I'm overpowered by righteousness. Oh, come on, that was a good place to say amen. I'm overpowered by my desire for righteousness because there's more of God in me than more of the enemy. But we start getting dull when we start opening these doors. And the scariest thing, I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. The scariest reality in my life, believe it or not, is not hell scriptures. Now, to some of you, you need to pay attention to those scriptures. But the greatest fear in my life, personally, is if I no longer can be convicted of what I used to be convicted of. And we call it spiritual maturity when in actuality it's being desensitized. 
So does God flip a switch in heaven and say, look, that convicted you once, but now that you've grown up and now you're mature, that no longer, that no longer, oh, no, I have better understanding now. So that's not really a sin. It doesn't matter if you have a greater understanding or you're more mature. It's that your heart, through either pain, rejection, sin, darkness, has chosen to not believe that. And I, I want to say this something because it's going to set you free. Freedom is not a result of lucky fate that comes on special spiritual people. You see free people, they're, they were broken just as you, but they've chosen to turn. And watch this, the Lord gave me a, a phrase this morning. He said to me, if sin is the doorway to bondage, then repentance is the doorway to freedom. How do you get rid of sin? Talk to me, church. How do you get rid of sin? Sin, go away. Sin, I command you not to be here anymore in the name of Jesus. You know how you get rid of sin? Lord, forgive me. This hurts your heart. I repent. See, we have used the word repent as a curse word in the church. How dare you say that? You're just beating the people. No, no, no. I'm trying to help you. If I was the enemy, I would make you think repentance is dirty. If I was the enemy, I would make you think that, that repentance is controlling. But repentance is the most beautiful thing you could ever do. Repentance is beautiful. The Bible says the goodness of God, not the badness of God that leads you to repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. Now, don't confuse repentance with condemnation. I know some of you think, oh, well, you know, I just feel so down. Well, you know, there's a level of downness that you feel when you have opened a door to darkness. How can you rebuke something that you're opening to? I rebuke lust. And, and, and lust is like, you just opened it to me last night. Like, I'm chilling with you right now. I rebuke this anger. You just did it five minutes ago. You have to take responsibility. Say, take responsibility. Say, take responsibility. Now, here's where I'm going to get deep here. It's going to be on the, up on the screen, the next slide. Mostly every bondage comes from three areas. I want you to write this down. It's going to be on the screen. Mostly every bondage comes from three areas. Are you getting something this morning? Number one, our fleshly desires to sin. We talked about that. It opens up. Jesus said, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. All right, so let's call it what it is, all right? It's just like you're not depressed for no reason. Like you, there's something happened. Whether it, or, watch, I'm going to say the second. So the second way that bondage comes, and I'm going to talk about this heavy next week. Make sure you invite a friend next week. It's about uh, inner healing and emotional healing. Is from hurt and pain. Ooh. Bondage comes when we have been hurt by somebody else, when we have been pained by, come on, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen here. When we have been pained by something or, an, uh, 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 or feel that we didn't get what we deserve, when we, our father's not there, when our mother's not there, when someone robbed us, whatever it is, when someone says something, when someone violated us, when someone did something horrible to us, hurt and pain brings us into bondage if, we're, if we don't get healed from that. And as bad as that pain was to you, can I give you a secret? If you don't get healed from that, as bad as that made you feel, and you swore you would never do that to anybody else, you would do it to other people. You will do it to other people if you don't get free. You could get delivered, but if you're not free, you're going to repeat. Watch this. Oh, I feel the Lord on this. The cycle that you swore you would never do to anybody because they did it to you. You repeat the cycle. I'm not saying that that's automatically going to happen, but I'm telling you, you're on the pathway to repeat the darkness that happened to you if you don't get healed. Why? Because hurt people hurt people. Free people free people. 
If I've never been on the mountaintop, I can't tell you by experience how to get there. I can only tell you by experience if I've been there. So when you're bound, yes, God uses hurting people to, to, to bring freedom in others because they testify of their pain and it relates to them. But I'm telling you that bound and hurt people, and eventually if they don't get healed, they will hurt people. And they will convince themselves that that is the way life has to operate. Now, most, so that's two, hurt and pain. Now, now look at the three. This is where I, I, I'm going to lose people, especially some new ones, if you're prone to offense. The third area the bondage comes in, and unfortunately it's not, it's not talked about on any Sunday morning church, Harley. When you go on Sunday morning church right now, you won't talk about demons, demonic spirit. Most churches don't dare talk about that because we're living in a day of cultural relativism and we're, we're scared to offend people. But we really, can I just be honest, pastors and leaders that don't tell the truth for fear of, of offending people don't really love the flock. If I love you, I'll tell you, you know what, whether you believe it or not, there is demonic activity in the world. And I'm going to tell you, and Zach is going to put some, I'm, just gonna, I'm going to just rip out some scriptures for you. But you have to realize this, total freedom requires deliverance and discipleship, the two Ds. Say that with me. Total deliverance and freedom requires discipleship and deliverance. Deliverance what? Deliverance from demonic spirits and discipleship and, and, and her, uh, from hurt and pain and fleshly uh, des uh, desires. Both discipleship and deliverance lead to permanent freedom. Listen, we need both. Everybody say we need both. We need both. Why? Because for the spirit realm, we need deliverance from demonic spirit. But in, in our emotional pain, we need discipleship through repentance, through the word, through prayer, through worship. Now, I want you to write this down. You can quote me on Twitter for this. This is a good one. Are you ready? You know, you know, why, you can, you know why you need both for freedom? Some people think are an extremist. They're like, well, I only need deliverance. I don't need discipleship. Or I only need discipleship. I don't need deliverance. You need both. You know why? Are you ready for this? Because you can't cast out the flesh and you can't disciple a demon. <laughs> you, can't you can't cast out your flesh. Your flesh stays with you. You have, to throw, you have to throw that under the bus through constant chopping it up, of chopping it up, of discipleship and the word until that thing drains from you. And you can't disciple a demon. Demon, now come here, come here now. You need to sit down. Sit down now. I'm going to take you through three steps not to torment this soul anymore. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's why you need deliverance from demonic spirits. You can't disciple a demon. You disciple your flesh, though. Most people are in bondage because they only have one. In the majority of the body of Christ, in all denominations, they have one thing right. They have discipleship, but they don't know deliverance. They, they don't know the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now, you, you, you are, listen, people are not your enemy. The greatest thing I could tell you is that whatever happened to you, people are not your enemy. I remember going to Baton Rouge one time and Larry Stockstill came up and he introduced this one guy that's been uh, serving the Lord for 50 years. He was like a general in the faith. And he leaned over and I said this to my leaders a couple weeks ago. And he said, okay, I'm about to give you the greatest key that I've ever learned in ministry. And there was a bunch of, it was a, it was a conference for pastors only. So I'm thinking, oh, oh, oh this is going to be great. This is going to be a heavy revy. Watch this. Oh, I'm going to have to take a lot of notes because this is the, be the best revelation he's had in 50 years. So I'm like, like this. He goes, are you ready? I'm like, yes. There's like about 2,000 pastors. He goes, here's the greatest secret I've ever learned in ministry. People are not your enemy. I'm like, what? That's it? That's it? He goes, yes. And I started realizing how 
powerful that is because we blame people when the enemy, true enemy, is spiritual darkness in the world today. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Put it up there. Look at in the NLT what it says, Ephesians chapter 6, to prove that our enemy first is in the, in the spiritual realm. And many times, now I'm not saying that demons are controlling every person. I'm going to get to that. No, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. But I am saying there is darkness in the world that is, that's fueling some of our own sinful pride. Look at this. And if I be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Keep going. Put on the God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Your in-laws are not your true enemy. <laughs> but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. I'm going to walk you through something that is going to be revolutionary if you understand deliverance. Are you ready? Eighty times. This is a little lesson for you. 80 times in the New Testament, the word demon is mentioned. 80. 61 times in the Gospels alone. In the four Gospels, the word demon or, or demon activity or demonic realm, again, I don't want to focus too much on this, but I have to talk about it. 61 times. 61, people. 61 times that in the Gospels alone, G, the word demon or demonic spirits for bondage is mentioned. So to eliminate demons and feel like they're not just, just for that 2,000 years ago is to eliminate half of Jesus' ministry. Because Jesus spent half of his ministry delivering people, delivering people, setting people free from demonic spirits of oppression and in some cases demonic possession. I guarantee you're not going to hear a message like this on Sunday mornings. But I'm telling you the truth. If you want to be free, you have to realize, yes, sin opens a door. Hurt and pain opens a door. But also demonic spirits. I'm telling you. You have to know that my people perish because of lack of knowledge. Look at it. Look at this. We're going to roll it off. Matthew 8, 16. Just, just watch up there. I'm just going to roll off one, one, one after the other. Matthew 8, 16. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. Matthew 9, 32, verse 33. And they went out. Behold, they brought to him a man, mute and demon-possessed. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke. And the multitudes marveled, saying, it was never seen like this in Israel. I need the worship team up here, please. Mark 6, verse 7, and then 12 through 13. And he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out. Two by two, and gave them power over unclean spirits. So they went out and preached that people should repent, and that they sh they cast out many demons and anointed with oil those who were sick and healed them. You have to understand something. C.S. Lewis. How many remember C.S. Lewis? I know I'm running a little late. Just give me five minutes because this is really important. Okay. C.S. Lewis said, quoted something really powerful one time that I love. I read this a couple of years ago. And he said, there's two types of people that Satan loves. Are you ready? C.S. Lewis wrote, he goes, there's two types of people Satan loves. He says, number one is the skeptic, which is the one, he loves the skeptic. The one that says, oh, well, you know, that was for 2,000 years ago. That's just your imagination. There's not really all that stuff. You're just scaring people. He loves those kind of people. So you're trying to tell me if there were demons 2,000 years ago without the, all the technological advances for us to sin, you're trying to say that there's no demon power now? Where are they hiding at? They're under a tree just chilling? I mean, wh where did they go? 
Are they just like, oh, wait, that Jesus went on the cross, so let's just hide in, 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 in the little bush over there. No. The skeptic, he loves because the skeptic believes, that's just not for me. And then we wonder why there's certain bondages in the world. The other type of person the Satan loves, he said, is the superly, overly superstitious. And these are the people that are the other extreme. They think there's a demon in every bush and every window and every toaster and every corner. Oh, there's a demon there. There's a demon there. No, there's not. No, there's not. It's not a demon behind your tree. Yeah, no. He's not waiting for you like, boo, boo. He loves the overly superstitious and he loves the skeptic. Why? Because both give him and fuel him power. You have to understand, there's people out there that when you talk about deliverance and freedom and you talk about maybe demonic powers, they're like, oh, don't talk about that because that's not really for me. You know, I really get scared or whatever. And then there's the other camp on the other side that says, oh, now he's talking about the good stuff. No, no, no. <laughs> if you're in either camp, you need to go move down the middle, okay? Because it's not, God doesn't want you to be ignorant of demons, but he doesn't want you to go looking for them. Do you understand? You have to understand that Jesus wants to set us free. I said, Jesus wants to set you free. Look at me. I'm almost done. I want to ask you three questions, and I'm going to give one scripture, and then we're going to pray for your freedom. I'm telling you. Can I just say something I feel in my spirit? You know the, 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 the first scripture that I said about the Jews that believed? You know what stopped them from being in, uh, in free? Their pride. You know why I say their pride? Because they said, We've been under Abraham. We've never been in bondage when in reality they've been in bondage all their life to Babylonians and Chaldeans, everything. But it was pride to say, I don't need what you're saying. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions and I don't want you to answer, but I want you to answer in your head. Number one, is there any area in your life that you just can't get victory in? Think. Is there any area of your life that you can't get any victory in? That's number one. Number two, is there any area in your life that you, listen, feel powerless to overcome? See, I, I know it's quiet because the Holy Spirit's digging deep. Is there any area in your life that you have no victory in? Is there any area in your life that you feel powerless to overcome? Is there any particular, three, is there any particular sin that you've confessed over and over and over again without seeing any breakthrough. If your answer is yes to one of them, to just one of them, then you may have a bondage issue in your life. We need to start calling it what it is. Let's stop calling it a weakness. If you've been struggling with this for 10 years, my friends, I love you enough to say it's no longer weakness. It's something that you're bound to. Don't be scared of freedom. Jesus is waiting with arms open wide. Here's the last thing I want to share with you. The Bible says that there was a yoke of bondage. There's yokes of bondage. Jesus said, come unto me. My burden is easy and my yoke is light. You know what a yoke is? I want to put it on the screen. There's a yoke that in the, New, in the Old Testament was used to enslave people. And it's going to be up on the screen in just a, a second. All right? Let's put that up there. Can we put that up there, Zach? Now, this is a yoke. All right? I'm not talking about egg yolk. I'm talking about in the Old Testament, oh, hallelujah, I feel the Lord. In the Old Testament, this was used to, to, to stifle pe uh, people and mostly animals from progressing forward. They had to walk at the same pace because no one could go faster than the other because it would cause them to stumble. It would be, look at the next slide. It would be used, the next slide, it was used like this. It was chained up. 
the yoke was around their neck and it was bondage. In the spirit realm, this is how we look when we give in to sin. This is how we look when we're continually giving in to that offense. This is how we look when we're continually giving in to that anger and to that pornography addiction. That's how we look. God still loves you, but this is how you look. But I got news for you here today. Isaiah chapter 10 verse 27 says, And it will be on that day, it will come to pass, that the burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and it will be destroyed because of the anointing oil will destroy the the yoke of bondage. This is what happens when the anointing comes and breaks the yoke of bondage that you've had spiritually over your life, over your heart, over your mind. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that destroys the yoke of bitterness, destroys the yoke of anger, that destroys the slavery of sin, that destroys the slavery of depression, of cutting yourself, of suicidal thoughts. It's his anointing. But how do you get free? Are you ready? I'm going to do it right now. You get free by two things. And sorry, three things. Acknowledging that you have it, repenting and turning from it, and then inviting the power of the Holy Spirit to break those things. Are you ready? I want you to stand up with me. Come on. God's going to set some of you free today. I don't want you to be scared of freedom. I don't want you to be scared. Next week, we're going to talk about inner healing from emotional pain. So I'm telling you right now, I want you to lift up your hands right now all over this place. And I'm, you're going to do three things. You're going to acknowledge it. You're going to repent of it, and then you're, we're going to invite the power of the Holy Spirit to break that off of you. I want you to think of something that you feel that you've been repetitively going through and have no victory in. This is not to beat you up. It's to set you free. I want everyone to lift up your hands right now. For the next two Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.